The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're catching up with Golden Mile Resources. Trades under the code G88, trading at 4.7 cents for a market cap of around 15.5 million. And I'll just note there, the stock has more than doubled in the last month or so on some exciting drill results from its flagship Quicksilver project which is uh, not far from Lake Grace, which is about 300 clicks southeast of Perth in the eastern wheat belt region of WA. Now we have Damon Dormer, the managing director, with us today. Damon joined the company earlier this year. He's a mining engineer. And I think uh, a good way of starting out this interview, we just get a feel from Damon what attracted him to the company. And I dare say it was the Quicksilver project. But with that, I say, good day, Damon. Welcome to the podcast. No worries. Thanks, Barry. To start with, I'll jump straight in with a bit about myself. Mm-hmm. Look, I, as, you, as you allude to, I'm a mining engineer by trade. My career overall has been very much both domestic within Australia and international. And a common thread through my career, as I've worked in you know, operations, projects, and innovation, has been always about uh, transforming operations or projects to enhance value. And that directly leads straight into, well, why Golden Mile and why Quicksilver? Right. And with Quicksilver, the project itself has had some challenging times in its history as the process of figuring out how to leverage value from Quicksilver was there. And there's been a lot of good work, but certainly the stock uh, has had some churn and Yes, some issues around with people really looking to understand what Quicksilver is. Mm. When I see a project that has been, for want of a better term, misunderstood by the market, and look to it and go, I see a, you know, in, you know, the inherent potential of value. Um, and back then, the, you know, when I joined, the stock was at a much lower price, and saw an opportunity to come on board with Golden Mile, and look to see how we can really build up, you know, Quicksilver in particular, but also, you know, there's other interesting uh, assets within the portfolio. But Quicksilver is our goal. We want to look at how we bring Quicksilver forward through the studies and look at then how we bring this into operation. Quicksilver is an unusual uh, oxide clay hosted nickel cobalt resource. Uh, it's got a resource, 26 million tonnes at 0.64% nickel and 0.04% cobalt for contained nickel of 168,000 tonnes and 11,000 or so tonnes of cobalt. But it is oxide and it's uh, so it's a bit different. So... I guess this is what uh, you're talking to about sorting out a development pathway for the project. Absolutely. So with our view of the development pathway for this project, because it is, as you said, uh, in the oxide, that we're looking at a beneficiation process. So what we want to do with this is uh, work it through a scrubbing, screening, magnetic separation, cycloning, using those mechanical metallurgical tools to form a suite of concentrate products where we can. So, you know, we want to get our nickel uh, cobalt concentrate up over one and a half percent. And we think when we've got it there, that becomes very saleable um, and that becomes something we can uh, uh, sell either domestically or even internationally. So it's uh, it's nickel and cobalt, but in recent times, there's been indications of uh, rare earth elements and uh, scandium as well. 
and uh, I see that uh, the company announced recently it was uh, we would be seeing a drilling program uh, starting. So what's the aim of this drilling program? So the aim of the drilling program, so from our previous results, and as you mentioned, yeah, we had those uh, very good results, um, in fact, spectacular results uh, about a month ago that we released to the market. On the back of that and on the back of some very good geological work uh, on all the data associated with this ore body that we have, we've identified that there is, you know, particularly the potential of disseminated nickel sulfide sitting underneath the oxide layer. And that's been, from historical data, that's been in historical drilling, that basically hasn't been tested yet at the drill bit. So we you know, primarily want to go and test for disseminated nickel sulfides underneath the oxide because to get the grades we saw in the oxide in you know, one drill hole in particular um, is extremely rare in an oxide setting. And we believe there's got to be a source to that somewhere. You're talking about that June hit, uh, what was it, 28 metres at 2.34% nickel? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, 2.34% 2, 2 nickel and 0.109% cobalt. And we actually had intercepts within that going up to 4.14% in all that as well. So it was an extremely juicy hit for want of a better term. Well, yeah, off the charts. In the oxide though, yeah? In the oxide, yes. So now you, te you want to test below that to uh, see what's driving those sort of... Ab absolutely. Um, yeah, that's the intent. There, you know, we do have a secondary purpose, which is to look at the you know possibility of having primary rare earths underneath ourselves as well. Um, there was a lot of good work done on identifying that that is a potential for us. It may take a lot more to unlock that, uh, but we certainly want to test and keep bringing information in to understand what's happening around the rare earths as a part of this deposit as well. Right. So very, we know it's been around a while, but still very much an evolving story. Um, nickel, cobalt off into rare earths and a bit of scandium as well. Absolutely. It's um, yeah, it's very much this uh, soup of metals, so to speak. We we, you know, we see a lot of good problems to have with this thing as we learn more about the metals and learn more about you know, the different types and keep testing their things, these all become potential for additional revenue streams on saleable products. That's going to, that's going to make some of the work around the economic modelling in future be actually very interesting. To have so many different products that we could end up potentially leveraging for value is actually really exciting. So I guess um, uh, metallurgical test work will be the key to arriving at a, a sort of flow sheet that will allow you to kick off scoping and feasibility studies at some point. Absolutely. We've actually in flight with all that. So the metallurgical drilling we did earlier this year, and that's where we had that uh, spectacular hit, uh, that was all about collecting the bulk sample. So we've got about 1.6 tonne of sample that we're currently testing at the lab to test all the scrubbing and screening and separation works associated with that, as well as there'll be other flow-on work from that. And that's primarily to, our, I'll take a step back, that's really driving what is our critical path. And our critical path is to drive the nickel cobalt uh, value proposition and look at where we get the economics of the nickel cobalt and the test works geared around that. So we've got the test work in two campaigns so that we can make sure we drive our critical path to keep moving, as you say, uh, towards a scoping study. And then there's the uh, second stage of work, which is bringing on uh, you know, the rare earths um, and scandium work because where the rare earths and scandium get interesting in all this is that we're really interested in what the concentrates come out at and where scandium and rare earths report to in the concentrates. Um, because for us, it's not actually about the mine grade of a lot of these other things because we're going to mine 
you know, when we mine the nickel and cobalt, we're going to bring these other things with us. So it's about what they concentrate up to and then looking at the value from the concentrate. Get some payability for them. Yeah. Absolutely. But I guess uh, if you hit something special in the uh, disseminated, uh, you'll have to... Uh expand the uh, metallurgical studies even further. Yeah, we certainly hit uh, disseminated nickel sulfides. Uh, we would have to look at how we keep moving forward in a positive way. We would still have to mine the oxide to get to a sulfide, but it may change our approach to our uh, future drilling programs. So obviously for a scoping study, we'd want to infill drill uh, later on to get a scoping study up to the requirements it needs from an ore body perspective, but certainly we hit something easy. We may modify how that program looks uh, within all that. So, you know, we've got those options on the table to do that uh, looking forward. I've seen in uh, company presentations, you know, the question what lies beneath Quicksilver. We've talked about the disseminated nickel uh, potential. This uh, rare earth uh, potential uh, underlying the system there. Where we've got this uh, modelled fault running through our ore body, we've got an extremely strong correlation of our rare earth oxides within that zone as well. So part of what we're testing in this campaign is testing around where we think that structure is, and then we'll look at how that data comes in to look at how we keep going forward with rare earths, because it's, it's all about unlocking the puzzle. And I think it was back in March, you reported some very high uh, rare earth element grades uh, from the project. I think it was more than 3,000 parts per million and up to uh, almost 8,000 parts per million over a, a metre. But So this is... Obviously, some significant rare earth potential there. Oh, absolutely. And what we what we keep in the back of our mind, you know, and, and again, that correlation to that faulted zone is showing up to be very strong. You know, where we sit and where, well, how we think about this, uh, I won't say problem, but certainly opportunity is the better word, mm. in that you know, by having a mechanical process, we can look at how we campaign material through that and tailor how we operate our, you know, a potential plant to leverage different product streams. So if we know we're coming into, say, a high rare earth element zone, you know, we could modify the plant campaign treat through there to you know, keep keep optimising our value. So lots of challenges there, but uh, potentially big rewards. Oh, absolutely. And it's, um, I, you know, I think we're at the tip of the iceberg of what this thing can really be. And it's, uh, you know, with all the potential underneath ourselves, let alone, you know, having a sizable resource already, um, which is always... You know, I think it's just brilliant that we've got that resource already sitting there to keep driving what the value lies. And if we can make, you know, we get to a position where we can demonstrate, and that's the purpose of obviously we want to move to scoping study to get to a, you know, a formal economic position, but certainly demonstrating the value of Quicksilver just with the oxides, let alone with everything else, is, is, will be a huge step forward for uh, this deposit and the company. I was just going to add there that um, market cap $15.5 million, So... Obviously, uh, that's covered by the upside here at Quicksilver, but the company does have uh, other interests. Probably the most advanced of them or the more interesting of them is that uh, up in the Murchison, uh, not far from the You and Me gold deposit. Uh, what is it, You and Mary? You and Mary, yes. So we're approximately 11, 12 k's away from You and Me there. Now, You and Me's you know, already at a 3.2 million ounce. Yeah, get very much on the development pathway too, yeah. And it's, um, structurally, we're in the same orientation as You and Me. And there's been a lot of initial analysis of the soil enrichment of gold. And we've identified effectively a 5.8 kilometre long by 1.1 kilometre wide zone of soil enrichment. And our plan there is to get a drill rig up there as well, as soon as we practically can after we've completed the drilling at Quicksilver. Which uh, I should pivot back to Quicksilver because uh, that drilling program uh, was at nine RC holes for about uh, 2,400 metres. That's... um 
When do you think that would be wrapped up fairly quickly? Oh, look, I think that'll be wrapped up by, you know, around the middle of August. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we'll have the assaying time there. And depending on what the visuals come back and things, we'll look at how we prioritise our assaying. Yeah, and then our say, well, plan will be to then move to um, you and Mary after that. But, but certainly all our focus, all our priority, everything, will always sit on Quicksilver to keep driving that. And then we make the other things work around Quicksilver. But we see a lot of value in putting holes into you and Mary as well. Yeah, it works, kind of works out well though, doesn't it? You'll be reviewing the Quicksilver results. Nick up to uh, the you and me area or you and Mary and, and go back down to Quicksilver and follow up those results. Yeah. Okay. So good news flow for the rest of the year. Oh, good news flow for the rest of the year. And look, particularly over the next couple of months, because we've got a lot of drilling activity between obviously Quicksilver and you and Mary, we've got a lot of metallurgical test work underway, which will also be stuff that we'll be releasing to the market you know, upon when it's ready. So, you know, particularly the next two months, you know, is a very strong news flow position and then a, you know, regular news flow position after that. With all juniors and you've got a pretty active program, how are you offer cash? Uh, cash is good. We raised money in late June after we uh, had the uh, really good drill intercept when uh, raised just under $1.9 million at the end of June. So our cash position is very good. We deliberately raised money there because we wanted to accelerate these drill programs based on the work that had been done and obviously the results we had seen. Yeah, I, actually, I did see that placement. And there, you had a, a, a couple of funds come in, notable funds. Was it Equentia, Natural Resources? Uh, yes, so we've got a... So it, it's th- uh, Rajiv, um, the, he's a strategic... He's taken a strategic placement in Golden Mile. He is a 50% owner of Equentia. However, the placement that Rajiv's taken is in his name, just for clarity. All right. Now, um, just to get on uh, Quicksilver, for those uh, in the eastern states who don't know the wheat belt very well, but do understand that sometimes uh, land uh, access can be a bit difficult. How, what's your land access position like? We've got a land access agreement with the farmer. who you know, We're on freehold land down there with where this is. We've got a land access agreement with the farmer for conducting our drilling works. Yeah, that got in, that was in place uh, earlier this year. So everyone gets on, gets along well. Now, in terms of uh, location, to for a future potential development, uh, it's not bad, is it? You've got what choice of four ports. Uh, <laughs> you've got road networks. It's um a very desirable location all up. You know, as as you said, we've got four ports all you know between you know Esperance, Albany, Bunbury, and Quinana. We've got, you know, it's all sealed roads. You know, the town of Lake Grace itself is a very well facilitated town. It's a very mature town. You know, it's got all the sporting facilities. It's got motels. It's got cafes, supermarkets. It's a very well facilitated town. It's very, and as you said, you know, being 300 k's away from Perth, it's very accessible. Um, The other thing that's very desirable in where we are, and when I talked about how we potentially sell a concentrate to international and domestic we've only we've got Ravensthorpe just down the road for a couple of hundred k's yeah they have the potential to be someone who could buy this concentrate so we've got options around who could buy our nickel cobalt and you know whether we ship it off to somewhere like Indonesia or whether we can uh, transport it domestically and sell it uh, we've certainly got options around that and that locality of being around Lake Grace ge- geographically fits in with that whole strategy and obviously you'd be on grid power there wouldn't you yeah we've got grid power up to the farm gate uh, we've got, yeah, it's uh, got, you know, say ports, roads, township. 
everything. It's a, a very good place to be able to set up. And obviously, uh, <clears throat> this oxide uh, resource you've got, that would be a free dig, I, I imagine. So, so we're looking at, there's a, there's a very thin you know, sap, saprolite cap on this, but basically the ore, the ore's contained within these clay bands. Which might have very much in <laughs> So we're, in, we're envisaging this whole, the mining of this ore body to be very much, you know, it's a free dig operation again, which simplifies all our mining infrastructure. It's got great geometry, which allows us to have schedule flexibility so we can be mm-hmm. optimising our sources according to not how we talked about before, we could look at how we campaign through and op, you know, through the circuit, but also optimi- optimise our ore body to changing economic conditions on metal prices. That geometry really lends itself to being to leveraging that position. We see this thing as potentially having a, you know, a low stripping ratio uh, because it's, it's a flat-lying deposit. Now, Damon, just out of curiosity more than anything, uh, why the name Quicksilver? I'm thinking of the Surf brand or am I thinking of Mercury or both or what? Uh, it is both. Uh, I actually haven't delved too much into the origins of why it was called Quicksilver. We, we even have a lot of questions on to why Golden Mile, um, but certainly that ties back to you know, where the company started. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I don't actually have a good answer for you on as to why Quicksilver in itself. Uh, people write books on these things, not me, but like, <laughs> just a point of curiosity there. All righty, so let's bring it all together, Damon, and give uh, investors a feel for I know we might be repeating ourselves here, but we'll leave them with it firmly implanted. What are the signposts to be watching out for as the rest of the year unfolds? Oh, look, the big signpost is going to be our completion of our metallurgical test work and the stages that that's coming out in. We've got a lot of drilling and drilling results that'll be coming this year. And we've also all pending the success of our metallurgical work and certainly uh, the commencement of a scoping study. Um, All big ticket items for this year. All good stuff. Just what uh, investors like to see from uh, tightly capitalised junior explorers, one with uh, a big resource already on its belt and going down that metallurgical pathway to unlock that value and expand perhaps into disseminated uh, mineralisation beneath and rare earth story in the background and of course up in the Murchison and the gold story. So Damon, interesting story. Thanks for your time today. Good luck with it all. We'll watch with interest. No worries. Thanks very much, Barry. Cheers.